Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 1, Babysitters on Board. Yay! <laughs> Which was Karen's favourite. Yeah, I think it was probably my actual favourite. Um, out of out of all the ones that I read back in the day, I think this was the one I liked um, the best. It it holds up pretty well, I think. I don't know um, that it's quite as good <laughs> as I remembered, but uh, but it's better than some of the ones we've read recently. <laughs> yeah, it's better than the super mystery. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry. I've read I've read copies of Saint Martin magazine in the '90s that were better than the super mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um. What is St. Martin magazine? Is it exactly what it sounds like? It's a small, extremely Catholic publication that um, <laughs> grandparents have in their houses in Ireland. Not like Ireland's own. Oh, it's worse than Ireland's own. Oh, wow. Ireland's own's Gosh. fine. Ireland's own's bad. But, you know, it's it's sort of Ireland's own. The agenda Ireland's own is pushing is vague nostalgia about anything related to Ireland. Yeah, that's they true. They have reader yep. submitted short stories that are often very adequate. <laughs> you know, Ireland's own is fine. Uh, St. Martin's magazine is is this tiny little like it's just full of articles about nuns in missions in in in, in the Philippines or like African countries and it's like. Well, I'm here in Guyana, and they've been trying to get me to leave for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's 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 obviously massively pushing its worldview, and um, assumes that its readers completely share it. And there's a kids section, which I think is like the mascot is some kind of a sausage dog. I can't really remember it. And there's always like that is not what I expected. Sort of no, I I could be mixing it up with something else, but I'm pretty sure it's a sausage dog. I'm ninety nine percent sure. A sentient cartoon communion wafer or something. Yes, I was expecting like an anthropomorphic chasuble or something. I don't know what a chasuble <laughs> is. I, I think that would be more. Maybe if it was an American publication, but um, I don't know. It's just this guy, like yeah, this 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 dog, I think, and um, yeah, like. Karen, are you Googling chasubles? Yes. Overbearing <laughs> moral messaging in a really badly written patronizing story. And look, my grandparents oh. had those and readers' digests. And sometimes I'd reread the readers' digests an awful lot. And that was what was left. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so you'll be pleased to hear that a chasuble is the outermost vestment. So it's the kind of fancy coloured bit that the priest wears over the rest of the, the frock. <laughs> okay, so an anthropomorphic chasuble would not be a great mask. It would be terrifying. It would be like a, a headless robe. That like, actually, though, I think I would probably read that for the, the surrealism factor. Yes. Uh, so, Babysitter's yeah, we are Club. nowhere near the book. <laughs> I think this isn't particularly a record for how fast we got sidetracked, but I think it's a record for how far off topic we wandered. <laughs> St. Martin's Magazine has an app, guys. <laughs> what? And when you no. go to the front page of their website, um, they obviously they want you to subscribe to the magazine, but in their shop online section, one of the books uh, alongside the, you know, Nine Tuesdays of St. Anthony prayer book and Our Lady and Child Eight-Inch Resin Statue, there's the Lives of Saints for Girls. Ooh, Girls specifically. Girls specifically. What with all the good bits taken out, huh? <laughs> like, I want the Lives for Saints uncensored, St. Saint Martin's. <laughs> Put that in your market research and smoke it. <laughs> 
I actually don't want to know about the lives of saints uncensored because that no. would probably be horrifying and violent. Um, okay, Babysitter's Club. Babysitter's Club. All right. Club. So Aoife never read this one before. I no. had read it, I think, once. And all I remembered was they went on a boat and there was a lot of stuff about Disney World. Mm, yes. Which is very accurate. And yeah, that's basically all I remembered. I really didn't remember much of it, this at all. So Karen... You remembered like a lot of it? I remembered a bunch of stuff, both kind of general plot points, which is usually the stuff I forget, um, like what the book is actually meant to be about, and a bunch of specifics. Um, so let me see. Okay, I have um, Watson takes all the babysitters on a cruise to the Bahamas and the Pikes. <laughs> so yes, I discovered upon reading the book what the whole thing deal was with why the Pikes are there. Because initially I was like, is is this is this going to be another wipe swapping um <laughs> <laughs> but allegedly it's more innocent than that um so yeah one of them pursues a stowaway and then has a romance with him christy makes friends with an old guy and they talk about the mayor of casterbridge which is nanny's favorite book um and i also have done this is a weird book to have as your Ooh. favorite by the way because okay thomas hardy in general is is just not you don't read him for the fun but this in this particular one as if I recall correctly, a guy drunkenly sells his wife and then she comes back to haunt him years later. It may still be the most cheerful by far of Thomas Hardy's books. Um, but like, it's, I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that Anna Martin has read this book in assigning it to one of her characters as a favorite. To be honest, um, it's one of my mom's favorites. Really? Um, Fair enough. She's, she's quite keen on it. Um, okay. I, I read it and I don't, it was fine. Okay. Um, well, that puts it well above the rest of Thomas Hardy's work. <laughs> so, except for his his biography, TM, which I can talk to you about later on if you want to know, which is really weird, really weird. Um, but is unrelated to Babysitters Club. Um, yeah, my other notes. Uh, Margot got sick in the waste paper basket and somebody had to clean it up. Uh, and I remember the quote, but babysitting isn't all fun and games. <laughs> Which I think is actually word for word. Yes. Um, Karen Brewer discovers the joy of charging things to her cabin. Mm-hmm. I remember that sequence pretty well. That was delightful. That, that was, was so good. That was the highlight of the book for me. <laughs> um, and finally, everyone wants to get Watson a nice present to say thank you for the cruise, but they can't think of anything and Christy angrily ridicules their ideas. <laughs> and in the end, they settle for more homework, i.e. journals, which Watson will definitely read. <laughs> that, so that's what I remembered. And I I think actually... That's impressive. All of that is stuff that actually happened. So yeah, I think I might remember this book better than anything I read as a child. <laughs> Yeah, you got a lot of it. That that is impressive. Probably some stuff I read recently. Um, so yeah, so the 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 setup is like clearly they wanted everyone to go on a cruise together, and then had to scrabble around to find a plot related mm-hmm. justification for this. So Mister Pike wins a cruise mm-hmm. for his whole family for a contest at work. I bet the company were like, "Could you just not pick a different winner? Can we please?" Say, <laughs> best slogan for the product or whatever it is he has so many children this will bankrupt us why didn't we put a limit family up to four people oh my god no (laughs) yeah they should have been like yeah you've got for you and two of your children (laughs) and your spouse um and they don't even tell us what the name of the product that he named was like they don't even tell us what industry he works in he named a product he named a product and we know from later books that he is in fact a corporate lawyer is he 
<laughs> he, got, he lost his job, remember? I remember he lost his job. I had no idea what the job was. I was like, I actually was thinking, oh God, did this, did this paying for 10 pikes to go on an all expenses paid trip to the Bahamas, the Bahamas, was this what happened to his company? But maybe, maybe it was like a company wide competition and everybody was allowed to enter, even if they were a corporate lawyer. Like, it was kind of like, haha, name our new product. I'm guessing that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was like, you know, company wide contest to name the product. And yeah. <laughs> Somebody over promised what they were going to deliver. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. So Mr. Pike and his what now? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and also the two babysitters he wants to bring? Are they? I'm assuming also- the Pikes paid for them. Yeah, I'm assuming that was at the Pikes expense. So yes, the Pikes tried to bring two babysitters and then things just sort of escalate and Watson invites his entire family along on the I cruise, know, which right? I would love to know how the Pikes felt about this. Like, <laughs> yeah, we want a family holiday. Oh, and this other family that we kind of know are coming with us for the entire time. Um, yes. That's now a thing. And every single one of our two babysitter's friends. Yeah. The, the thing is, right, what they could have done was they could have not had the Pikes go on the cruise. And what they could have done was they could have had Watson being like, hmm, I think we might go on those Disneyland cruises. Andrew's old enough to enjoy that now. Mm-hmm. And then have like Christy be like, oh my goodness, we're going on a, I've never been anywhere before. This is so cool. And then maybe mm-hmm. Watson being like, you've never gone anywhere. I've got all this spare money just like around. Why don't you bring all your friends? Cause that's basically what he did anyway. There was only two extra people yeah. he'd have to pay for. Yeah. I, I think that, um, the Pikes being on this cruise was an essential part of the plot mm. and needing to have their storylines here to allow certain things to be contrived to happen. If you want a big cast, throwing in the Pikes is just an easy shortcut yeah. for that. <laughs> That's true. It's very useful. And yeah. it also does give that wonderful excuse to have multiple babysitters. It, yes. like, yeah. At the same time, this is just based on two ridiculous, implausible like things. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love it, though. They have other ridiculous scenarios later on for oh, getting yeah. them all to go away on trips oh, yeah. together. Like they win the lottery at one point, which <laughs> yeah. is like so, so realistic. Yeah, no, my note on this is mostly I would be a bit weirded out by local rich dad inviting himself and nine of his family and friends along on my family holiday. But maybe it's a more the merrier thing when you have eight kids. And maybe the Pikes are like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. I think they are. I think they're super chill. And also they're just like, hey, the ratio of like over 12s to under 12s is better now. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Yeah. I think because- the Pikes have just like really internalized the serenity prayer and they have decided that everything is what they cannot control (laughs) and so they've just become super accepting of whatever unfolds around them because it's the only way to survive can i just say as well the pikes fuck right off (laughs) yeah they are barely in this there's a point where they're they're like um mariana says like oh yeah they gave us two hours off in the evening and we really need it i was like yeah because they haven't seen their children for the entire trip and yes. I know that was the point to bring them up, but they're even more gone than they were in when they all went away to the um to like Sea City together. They're Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And they were pretty marginal in that book. They are they they have hit the ship's casino or something because they're just completely <laughs> absent in this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they basically just yeah, spend their entire time in one of the bars pretending they don't have any children. I'm like, I can't blame them. <laughs> like, I just can't blame them. I'm very fond of children, but that 
that yeah. this is reasonable of them to do. There's an interesting split in the babysitters here mm. because half of them are there to work and they are fucking working. And yes. the other half are just there on holiday. And the ones who are on holiday are like, lazing around having romances and bickering yes, and the two yeah. that are working are like i'm so tired and stressed the whole time. <laughs> i know i feel so bad for them i know especially marianne who's like like stacy is kind of pretty chill about the whole thing surprisingly um but marianne this one day she, she's like i'm about ready to murder the first person that comes across my path because i'm so tired yes <laughs> so many pikes stacy actually really like she she's really turned things around since the last time they yeah. went on holiday with the pikes. Like her her behavior is completely fine on this, and I feel like we should acknowledge that. Oh yeah, no, she's she's learned. Either she's learned, or she just happened to not notice any cute boys. Probably yes. mostly mm-hmm. they're not noticing a cute boy. But yeah, um, yeah, I have to say I expected the conflict between the sitters to be between the ones who were working and the ones who weren't, and there to be yeah. some kind of thing about them actually helping out their friends a bit, even though they're not getting fucking <laughs> paid for it. For God's sake, just give your pals a break. But no, I yeah. think Christy does a bit of ad hoc minding her own step siblings, yeah, which yeah, you would sort of fair. expect she would probably yeah. do anyway. Um, yeah. but yeah, they <laughs> um they they really do not help. They probably do the opposite of helping Marianne and Stacey because because Christy is just Christy in this book okay guys (laughs) okay all right let's start our recap with Christy and her whole fucking deal Jesus Christy what the fuck she's she's just having an episode in this book (laughs) it's like I'm not sure of what Christy and Dawn and Claudia are sharing a room throughout and Mm -hmm. Dawn is tidy, which has kind of been established because she's constantly cleaning up after her mum at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christy is messy. Which has never been mentioned anywhere before, ever. But apparently mm-hmm. it should be expected because she wears jeans and sneakers all the time, which is given as another symptom of messiness and which I, quite frankly, um, have problems with as a wearer yeah. of jeans. I'm yeah. wearing jeans and sneakers right now and I'm... <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, actually, we all all wear jeans and sneakers all the time and we're all messy, mm-hmm. but the facts are not necessarily related. <laughs> this is correlation, but not causation. I like to think of myself as not a messy person, but I think the actual state of my house would belie that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, Christy is apparently a slob. That word is used multiple times. And yes. yeah, this is the first time it's come up. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe. Maybe? It's like she throws rubbish on the floor and stuff here. Like, nothing like that has ever been mentioned before. Yeah, she pours, like, food on the desk in that the makes hotel us, room. I was so just pissed off with her yes. by that point. Yeah, yeah so this, this starts in the really tiny cabin on the ship when they all get into the room together and they're like, whoa, okay, we have a lot of stuff. Particularly Claudia has a lot of stuff. But Claudia is not the problem here. Claudia is kind of the the unwilling middleman yeah, <laughs> in, in the room. And um, Christy and Dawn have like a minor disagreement about it initially. And then Christy just seems to start taking the piss to annoy Dawn, which is like... Yeah, like she starts scattering Claudia's shoes around the place. And yeah, and she uh takes she unwraps the plastic off a set of cards and drops it on the floor deliberately and Dawn puts it in the bin. Um and like I think I would probably do that out of 
just habit as a habit. If yeah. um, if I saw stuff that's obviously rubbish on the floor in a really small space, but um, yeah, Christy takes it super personally and it seems to be immediately trying to piss Dawn off. And now she says she's getting, she feels like Dawn's tidiness is her having a go. I am mystified by this. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I were in a room and another person wanted to sort of compensate for me being a bit messier by being mm-hmm. tidier than me and putting my shit away for me, mm-hmm. I'd be like, cool, just tell me where you put things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would cry with gratitude. I wish someone <laughs> would follow me around tidying up after me. Like, also, it's yeah. a tiny room, okay? When I am a messy and when I'm a slob, it's because there isn't anywhere within immediate reach to mm-hmm. put the stuff, right? That's the own. That's why I have mm-hmm. um, rubbish bins under every desk I own, because otherwise the rubbish stays on the desk. Clever. Oh yeah, no, life hack. If you're useless and you can't do anything unless you have all relevant materials to hand, just put all relevant materials in every room. Um, and yeah, I, I so I have like bins under all my desks so that I put rubbish into them. If I was in a room that small, I wouldn't need any extra help to put rubbish away, because the bin's got to be just mm-hmm. there, because yeah. the room's tiny. Christy, what do you like? Yeah, Christy is absolutely obnoxious. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a super weird interlude where she gets up in the morning, strips out of her pajamas, drops them on the ground, and then just stands there glowering at dawn. Yeah. Okay. Can I read this? Yes. Line? Yes. So the line is: Christy slipped her pajamas off, leaving them in a puddle around her feet. Then she stared at dawn, waiting for a reaction. And I have this annotated as not fanfic. <laughs> it yeah. really feels like it is a snippet out of a very different text. I mean, so, the next sentences would probably go differently. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's The next sentence is Claudia giving out to both of them, which she does multiple times to stop trying to. But yeah. It's Dawn a super weird not- thing to do at someone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just stand there menacingly in presumably your underwear. Um I like, like I, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe she's just nude. Maybe like, I don't know. <laughs> that is a power move. <laughs> it would be very intimidating. It's, it would be so intimidating. Actually, in that way, it is an extremely Christy Thomas move. But <laughs> yeah, my just God. assert dominance through nudity. <laughs> body positivity, I suppose, is is good. Um, I don't yeah. know. Is a body positivity if you're using your body to intimidate someone? I think it's like extreme body positivity. <laughs> I love my body because my body is a weapon. Yeah, that is probably actually Christy's attitude. Yeah. 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 Yep. I love sure. my body. It's real good at punching fools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's um, it's feminism, but not as we know it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that whole thing happens. And like, so... You the this book um jumps around narrative perspective, so it's a different person each chapter, which is kind of fun, and mostly you can kind of distinguish between them. Um, everybody seems to kind of accept the notion um that Christy and Dawn are as bad as each other, and I'm like, no, Dawn is yeah. the Hillary here. Yeah, I'm sorry, like, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, yes. Christy is being terrible, like really properly terrible. Um, and Dawn is mostly just kind of. A little bit pissed off and trying to manage. Dawn ends up yeah. kind of doing a bit of the like passive aggressive. I'm very pointedly throwing this in the bin because you just dropped mm-hmm. it on the floor pointedly at me. But like, 
Yeah. I mean, she's doing something that's going to need to get done sooner or later anyway. So Yeah, the things mm-hmm. Donna's doing are good. And also, she's allowed to be kind of pissed off about this. Christy was yeah. being utterly unreasonable. Yeah. There's there's one line that I did laugh at where um they've they've all gone off in their separate ways on the ship during the day. And Christy comes back and discovers that the place has been like tidied to within an inch of its life. And that chapter ends with Dawn had spent the morning committing a crime of tidiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. But also, what the hell, Christy? I just thought that I just took that as a glimpse into Christy's unhinged mental state. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Well, yeah, how long is it going to take you to clean a very small cabin, even one with lots of stuff? But a lot, most of that is established as being Claudia's, and she pretty much put it away. Yeah, to yeah. begin with. So, like, I thought it was going to be more of a like balanced three-way issue, and they all had to struggle, kind of in a realistic way with. Uh, Dawn mm. likes things just so. Claudia's kind of got too much stuff to fit in the room. Christy mm-hmm. doesn't always tidy up after herself properly. But instead, uh, it was just Christy loses her mind immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, poor Claudia is just sort of trying to just mind her own business and then eventually sits them down and is like, get over this, you fucking lunatics. And they sort of <laughs> grudgingly make up and then it's fine. But like, mm. God, I would have just asked to change rooms if I was Claudia. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if there was anywhere for her Th- to go. There wasn't I think. anywhere. It was it would have been one of the Pike family cabins. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Christy wants to change rooms at one point. And yeah. her, um, yes, her mother refuses. Her, her mother and step and stepdad are like, no, <laughs> we don't want you in here either. Like... Christy also befriends an elderly man. That Which is, is her other plotline. Yes, that is her other plotline. Well, there's that. And there's another thing that she does repeatedly. But yeah, so she's she's weirdly nice to the old guy. Um, So because like I was just expecting her at this stage to be like prowling the ship, uh, beating people up at random, to be honest. Um, but no, she's she's like, oh, hey, here's an older bloke. He seems very lonely. Oh, you know, and they, um, uh, yeah, they have kind of a nice... Uh, set of interactions there. I really like it, yeah. Yeah. It's very super nice. It should go to a different character who isn't, like, a confirmed monster. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I'm just really bemused. I just, there were so many ways you could have written sort of interpersonal conflict Mm -hmm. in in the tiny cabin, and it just... None of them were this way. This makes no sense at all. Yeah. I do think, though, there's something very Christy about the fact that, like, she takes this man on as a project and she decides yes. she is going to get him over the recent death of his wife, whether he likes it or not, or <laughs> yes. die in the attempt. <laughs> and set him up with her nanny. Yes. Yeah. And also that one of the things she does is like, the one the first thing she does is like bullies him into going to the arcade. Yes. yes. I'll teach like, you how to play Donkey Kong. I, I quite like that. So she meets him at the pool when he drops his book and she hands it back to him. And it's the mayor of Casterbridge and they wind up chatting about that. Um, and that's all very nice. And he has been established being grumpy um around other people but he quite likes christy mostly i think because she's not like letting him sort of at her and tell her to go away she's quite persistent um so yes she takes him to the arcade and teaches him and he he says he enjoys playing i think it's centipede or something like that centipede yeah um and then he takes her off and teaches her how to play shuffleboard yeah and she's quite good at it adorable i thought that is very sweet yeah um and then they keep they kind of keep socializing and she she like takes him to dinner with her parents um which is adorable she, as well. She orders him to dinner with her parents yeah. and presumably orders <laughs> yes, her true. parents to be like, by the way, I've made a new friend. He's 75 and he's coming <laughs> to dinner tonight. 
<laughs> why not? And, and they're like, okay, dear, <laughs> um, just you're just not changing into our bedroom. <laughs> Whatever yeah, you yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want, as long as we can have some damn privacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bit where they've they've just arrived on the boat and um, Karen comes up to the babysitters and she's like, um, yeah, we want to go out and explore the ship. Elizabeth and Daddy um, want to have naps. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not really doing this in chronological order because it's such a complicated... It jumps all over the place, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember what order most things happened in. It's not that kind of book. Karen Brewer... <laughs> um, Learns to, she, she figures out how to charge things to her dad's cabin because she went to a hotel with her dad before and he kept saying, Oh, just charge it to my room. So she's figured out that on a boat, your room is called a cabin. So she goes, she asks for a manicure and tells him to charge it to her <laughs> cabin. And the woman initially doesn't believe her, but then Karen mentions that her parents are divorced and the woman feels so sorry for her that she's like, <laughs> Okay, right this way. So then Karen gets a super fancy manicure. Uh, charge to the room. to the cabin. Yes. And, and it, she, does she get like a fancy meal or something as no, well? No, she just gets a Coke. She goes, she goes into to the cafe it. then and gets a Coke, charges the cabin. The guy doesn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. Because he's busy. And can I just say as well that, so this is all happening where Karen has forgotten her earplugs on the way to the pool with Christy and Andrew and Dave and Michael and Christy is minding them. And she says, oh, I just have to run back to the cabin and get my earplugs. And Christy's like, um, okay, but like be right back. And so she goes off, she gets distracted, she gets a manicure, she has a drink. Um, and then eventually she wanders back to the pool where she finds Christy is absolutely sitting in the, in the deck chair going, where the fuck is the child? But I have to watch these other two. Ch- ah! yes. And um, she arrives and she's like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry. I was supposed to be here straight away. I, for- I forgot. I like, got what a manicure. happened to you? And she went, you got a manicure. <laughs> Yeah, Christy does actually see the funny side, which is more than I would have done in her position. But I think some of it is relief, actually, that her child has just wandered in with fabulous nails instead of having been abducted or tossed over the side. Like Christy is also thirteen and may not quite have the homely developed sense of parental responsibility that you do. I don't know. She's a babysitter. Yeah, that's the thing. And she was supposed to be minding the kid. And mostly when you babysit children, they're not on a large moving object that has C on every side. It's surrounded by death, literally. That's so weird, because I was thinking of it in a... I actually forgot that a cruise ship is a ship, and what I was thinking was, well, you know, if she's going to do that anywhere, at least it's in a really kind of closed environment. (laughs) No! There's a lot of strangers on there, sure, but she's not going to actually go anywhere if she gets lost. She'll be found by a staff member. It's probably hard to fall off. Fall off a boat. I I forgot about boats. It's fine. You I, could manage it though. Karen could manage it. Yes, Karen could sure. absolutely manage it. 100%. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I can see why Christy is um very nervous. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be honest, like nobody in this book seems to have heard of stranger danger. I was quite stressed out by like just the amount of unsupervised kids roaming around the place. Like I I I get that it has to be that way for like the plot to happen, but it was very stressful. <laughs> but yes, I think yeah. Um, I, but I used so, to be like that though. I know, but I'm not sure it was actually like that by the late eighties. Like, oh, I yeah. When my brother and I were on a ferry at like six and ten, yeah. we just left off and ran around it. Yeah, we we did some um a certain amount of wandering, especially if you were somewhere like like a big hotel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, fair um, enough. Once you could find your way back, uh, I can. 
so the pikes have uh, specifically said at one stage that the older pike kids are allowed to wander. Yeah. Um, there doesn't seem to be any concern about them falling over the side. So I think probably it is the kind of ship where it's very difficult to achieve that. <laughs> and presumably it's not good for cruise ships for if that happens regularly. Fair. So they probably have made it. You're basically like <laughs> you're true. just in in a huge floating tank. The windows don't open and stuff. Um, oh, and they're also their cabins are in the inside of the ship with no windows, yes. which yes. I do remember like being in cabins like that on much shorter trips, and it being hell. It's pretty <laughs> so, awful. Um, I can kind of see maybe why there's a little bit more tension in that particular room. Maybe. Um, Is it? See, I'm trying to think, you know, you're talking about being hell. I I just assumed it was hell because anytime I do that, I'm going to a LARP event and I've had four hours sleep on the boat. Mm. And then it goes, attention, attention. And I I hate attention, attention man so much because he wakes me up at 6am and I just don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that Karen Brewer does is she goes... Oh wait, she gr- she grifts everyone in Disney World. <laughs> they um oh, yeah. they they go to like the on the paddle boat where you go for breakfast and you meet like the Disney characters which I have tagged and written my nightmare because as discussed <laughs> I'm deeply uncomfortable with people in full body costumes and ah. the breakfast room is swarming with them and Esther is an anti-furry. I, I'm not an anti-furry. I'm just afraid of costumes. There's a difference. I don't, I don't mean that you're against furries. I just mean, you know, you're an anti-furry. Like the way mothers matter and anti-matter. Okay, I'm the opposite of a furry. Yeah, Both the of you are going to get us cancelled, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're going to have to cut this out. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I, It's important that you express your, um, <laughs> your problematic views, okay? <laughs> Freedom <swear>. of speech. <laughs> marketplace of ideas exactly <laughs> i'm just trying to imagine like when people were talking about the marketplace of ideas did they really consider opinions on furries <laughs> no no not really but this no. is where we are now yeah and the, the the furries are our friends yes so uh yes even if they terrify esther <laughs> to the point of like loss of bladder control so. <laughs> You can't prove that. Sorry, you didn't specify that. I just assumed, okay. <laughs> That's quite an assumption, Karen. Thanks. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yes. Yes, you're wrong. <laughs> okay, good. I thought it was unimpeachable. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay, I, I respect the lifestyle. I'm just deathly afraid of the costumes. Now we have to get that up. Um, so yes, they go to the furry breakfast and it's some kid's birthday and everybody sings happy birthday and Karen is so jealous that she announces to the entire room that it's also her birthday. Um, so everyone sings happy oh. birthday to her and Watson is furious, but also I suspect kind of Thinks it's amused. Yeah, but can't <laughs> like, admit it. You can't say that. That's a lie. And she's like, I know. I just couldn't resist. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, this is the chapter that I skipped over when I was reading this as a kid because I just felt so bad about Karen doing that. I felt implicated in it. Aww. That is just such a 
terrible thing so to do. Cool. I just love the bit where she's like, I loved it. I loved being right in the middle of things with everyone thinking about me. I didn't care that it wasn't my birthday. It was probably my only chance ever to have about a hundred people sing to me. <laughs> I know. I love the shamelessness of it. I love her so much. Go to TGI Fridays on your actual birthday, woman. I know. Also, your dad's a millionaire. You will have other opportunities for this. Would you relax? Yeah. yeah. Also, I suspect your wedding is going to be spectacular. Oh my God. Oh, She's going to oh. be the bride that sails in on like a thousand helium balloons. Yes. There will be swans mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Ghosts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So she also goes to the, the haunted house in Disney World and she sees a ghost on the ghost train and then the ghost haunts her for the next few days and she's really mm-hmm. creeped out but he doesn't do anything and just kind of hovers there and then he comforts her when she gets lost and so she decides that the ghost is not so bad after all and i don't know how to interpret this plot line at all is the ghost a metaphor what the, the ghost is Karen's very active imagination, I think. Yeah, like, I get it. And I will totally accept that that's the real reading of it. But also, mm-hmm. I was reading it going, this is like, this is God. Are you constantly seeing a terrifying figure sitting near you and lurking beside you everywhere you go? That's that's not how imaginary friends usually go, kid. She says she can't see him, but she can feel him, oh, and she, she knows that him. he's yeah. there. She's no, I think um, she's just creeped out, basically. She, yeah, she's she's so creeped out by the thing on the haunted house that she thinks it's still it's following her around. Yeah. Um, I mean, she also thinks that. Ben Brewer is haunting her attic, um, and she's true. and that her neighbor is a witch. Yeah, no. so that's true. She she has form. Yeah, yes, she has she form. Has form. <laughs> um, and the fact that she eventually decides she quite likes the ghost is um, like, I, I mean, that I would be more concerned about from a psychological perspective <laughs> because she she symbolically loses her stepmother and father, but the ghost stays with her and doesn't abandon her. Oh, yeah, I forgot might, might, that. Ex- explain the persistence of Ben Brewer in her imagination. Uh-huh, like, yeah. Um, there is something that occurred to me, um, which is kind of due to later on in the book, but I thought it might be interesting to note. Mm-hmm. Where So one of the male love interests, you know, they're pretty interchangeable, so I don't need to know exactly which one it is, but um, he's from <laughs> Darien, Connecticut. Yes. And he says to her, oh, that's cool. Our... Um, Whichever girl it is. It's Claudia. That's not far from Stony Brook. Our high school basketball teams will probably play against each other. You know, it's it's like destiny. <laughs> uh, and it's like, okay, uh, sure, cool. Um, uh, which I think is also Claudia's reaction. But yeah, so Darien's yeah. real place. Um, Darien and Stamford, I looked up on the map, are very close to each other. They're 15 minutes away. So you can kind okay. of triangulate the position of Stony Brook. Stony Brook pretty well, yeah. Although she does throw some doubt on whether it's actually near Stony Brook or not. She's like, oh yeah, I didn't think it was that near, but my geography's not that good, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, it's it's somewhere in that vicinity though, because yeah. it is quite near Stamford, yeah. and those two are really close together. We know Stony Brook is a is in Stamford's commuter belt. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. Because a lot of people work in Stamford, but we don't know exactly where it is. Here's the thing Stamford is an hour and 17 minutes by car from New York City. Yep. Which is astonishingly close. Like, I assumed they were a proper distance away. I just hadn't realized that, like, that could be a commuter town in, in Irish terms, yeah. anyway. That yeah. is commuter distance. It's from, like living in Leash, basically. Uh, you could work in New York and live in Stony Brook if you were really, if you really determined to do it. If you really fucking commuting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you probably wouldn't. But you wouldn't you, want to, you but could if you 
absolutely had to. Um, and also, uh, in the same kind of catchment area, there's also a town called Hicksville. Actually called Hicksville. <laughs> Shout out to our listeners in Hicksville. Um, I'm sorry for laughing at the name of your town, but it's funny. <laughs> that's that's a Karen Brewer level apology. Oh, yeah. I'm only sort of sorry for laughing at it. Uh, <laughs> feel free to laugh at any of the Irish town names you come across. Some of them are quite funny. That's true. There's a place called Sneem. <laughs> That's true. There's a place called Muff. It has a diving school that exists primarily to sell merchandise. <laughs> I quite like Boris in Ossery. That's one of my favourites. Yeah, I like, I like Boris in Ossery as well. It's a good one. Okay, so that uh, we, we kind of have a, a notion of where Stony Brook might be located. Yeah, yes. it's useful. So yeah, I suppose we should go through Claudia's plotline then. Yes. So Claudia has a stalker slash secret admirer. Who is definitely a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> Who self-identifies as a secret admirer, but is actually a stalker. Yes. <laughs> Claudia on these super specials just has the creepiest fucking love interests. Yeah. Mm. This is definitely a trend. Um, yeah. So she she goes like walking around. They They stop in the Bahamas and they stop in Nassau for like a day trip. So she goes off by herself uh like wandering the town and she like orders a drink and she gets there's a note written on the napkin that says like I think you're very pretty or something mm. and then she like looks at some earrings and she likes them but she can't afford them but then later her secret admirer like has bought them for her and sends them to her and she's all mm. it's so romantic and I'm like Jesus. this will end with you being thrown overboard yeah it really there are loads of times where she's where she says she's walking around Nassau and um taking photos and she feels like someone keeps jumping out of the way yeah or that there's somebody oh. watching her but she's never able to capture who it is I'm like this person is as persistent as fuck yeah and like quite successfully managing to evade you which is weird um and and bad um yeah just very uncomfortable the whole yeah. thing it's just like no this isn't good how is he getting that close to you constantly Ooh, yeah mm. if if there had been like 10% of these incidents if he had sent one note or yes. a yes. gift or you know something or she had accidentally caught him in a photo one time yeah. instead of it going on persistently for days yeah yeah that would have been one thing um so yeah eventually he comes out of the like like out of the woodwork and she's chasing off after him uh because she somebody has spotted him and she's like go go um and a, a cute boy comes out and uh pretends to have yeah seen a guy running down the corridor oh yeah sure that definitely wasn't me um and then introduces himself and then they have like a proper human conversation and get to know each other and he's called Timothy and they hang around for a while and um fall in i don't know LUV Stacy style <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so there's actually a specific line I noted down about the secret admirer as well, which I just want to read. So it's um, uh, one of the other characters is describing one of the babysitters club meetings that Christy has forced everyone to have, even oh. though only two of them are formally babysitting and they are tired and probably don't want to be going to meetings. But anyway, yes, daily meetings. She's a monster. She's she a, really she's a monster. Needs to chill. Um, so the line is, Claudia told us about her mysterious and elusive secret admirer. When she was finished, Christy asked, any club business? <laughs> like, did Claudia just, did she just 
be like, okay, yeah, um, and then I don't know who he is, but definitely he's following me around. And Christy's like, okay, cool. Any club business? <laughs> like, what? At least pretend <laughs> to have listened to what Claudia said. And like, okay, Christy, Christy, oh my god. So at these meetings, right? So she's really preoccupied with the notion that they need to get um, Watson oh. in particular a nice gift. Which uh, is and fair, because you know. It's true. Like, it's true. Um, and I, I remembered this, but she is getting increasingly, like, angry about it. And she does humiliate them for having bad ideas. Like, I, my, oh, yeah. I remembered this. Yeah. Like, one of them is like, maybe we should get them nice candy. And she just rolls her eyes. <laughs> like, She's like, that's terrible. And so the line at one point is, uh, <laughs> Christy continues to be a bitch about the lack of present ideas. <laughs> and the line is, get real, babysitters. <laughs> it's like, what? Yes. Christy. Christy, Christy has also like failed. something a real person would say. She's like, not made any suggestions herself either. I yeah, know. and she's like somebody she she rolls her eyes at the candy suggestion and then um somebody points out she hasn't made any suggestions. She's like, Yeah, but if I had it if I had that would be better than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christy. Oh Lady Catherine de Berg. Come yes, on. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh. Ooh, there's a Pride and Prejudice reference in this book. Yes, there, there is. Yeah, it's Nanny's. Uh, no, it's um, it's Gertrude Staples. Yeah, the old, yes. the old dude's wife. Dead wife. Yeah. Book Favorite was, book. Was yeah. yeah, like that oh. makes more sense than the Mayor of Casterbridge. By the way, just it, saying, yeah. that actually is some people's favorite book. <laughs> It's, yep. it's a lot of people's favorite books. We yeah, need to get exactly. my mom on here as like a mayor of Casterbridge stand to make a case for it. <laughs> Very topical. I mean, there's a difference between, between, for some reason, I like Thomas Hardy and the mayor of Casterbridge is one of my favorite books. And it is my favorite book, singular. Mm. Which is where Christy's nanny's at, for some mm-hmm. reason. I've not read it. Maybe it's actually amazing. I mean, like, it's it's a kind of, it's like a town with drama and people have secrets and people's secrets come back to haunt them and whatnot. And... Okay. Yeah, that seems legit. It's not like everybody or a person makes one small mistake and is punished in, like, extreme ways for it by fate for the rest of their natural existence. Because that's what Tess of the D'Urbervilles is. No, yeah. this is a guy is an asshole and then um kind of mends his ways, but... um. Also, his shitty actions have kind of fucked things up for a lot of people around him. Mm. I don't remember how it ends. That That's all I remember of it. <laughs> it was a long time ago that I read it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We were talking about um, Claudia's not particularly interesting yes. once he actually identifies himself uh, yeah. secret admirer. All right. So she's she's hanging out with him for a couple of days in the form of Timothy and not the secret admirer and keeps expecting the secret admirer to show up at any minute, but he doesn't. But she's still getting notes from the secret admirer separately. And she's like, but, you know, I'm more interested in Timothy because he's actually here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> there's a bit at the end where they go to see the parade at Disneyland. And she's like, the only person who could have made the group more complete was my secret admirer. And I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of awkward since you're holding Timothy's hand. But okay, Claude. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm not saying you should feel bad about that because your secret admirer is a stalker, but it would definitely, there would be a scene. It would be a little awkward. <laughs> there would be something. Although sometimes I think to myself that like things I had read about mid to late 20th century, like teen dating in America indicate to me that one does not need to be exclusively with uh, one's boyfriend, girlfriend until one makes a declaration of such. 
Hmm. Yeah. I don't know how actually true that ever has been in real life. <laughs> Going steady. Yes. Like you sort of casually date, but... I think when this comes up in pop culture, it's it's to allow there to be a, um, a hilarious meltdown. I think Phoebe is doing that in Friends at one point. Yeah. Um, and it, it all goes to hell. See, I'm basing this on, so my mom, um, had these, I don't know, she subscribed to some encyclopedias or something. And one of the things that came with them as a part of, part of a thing was like these guides to being a teenager, but they were written in the late sixties. <laughs> um, and she would have got them in the, I'm guessing late 70s. They were already pretty fucking dated. Um, but they were very American. They were very 70s. Um, and there was one addressed to teenagers and one addressed to their parents. And of course, I read them both cover to cover before I was 14. Probably before I was 13, actually. <laughs> and so I know a ton of like really old slang for drugs, um, which is nice. <laughs> Ooh, like what? Like, I don't know. It's like, to be fair, you know what it all was right now anyway, because you've heard it in movies. Um, but it was <laughs> yeah. new to me when I was 12. I didn't know that snow was <laughs> cocaine until I read that in that book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, the, um, like, I didn't know acid and LSD were the same thing either. I learned it from this book. Um, but one of the things that it goes into is like dating etiquette and stuff. And there's an awful lot of basically like, you know, don't be loose, ladies. Boys don't respect a girl who blah. But like it also like explained what necking and petting were and heavy <laughs> petting and stuff, right? But one of the um one of the things it goes into is this whole thing of going steady. And it seemed to take it like it was a really open sort of it dated but very open, actually, book mm -hmm. addressed to teenagers. Um, a very, like, you know, not... Okay. This was very much written in a very kind of liberal, late 60s, <laughs> early 70s vein, not in okay. a repressive Christian one at all. Uh, it was a little bit of a, look, other people will probably be judging about your reputation. Mm -hmm. Here, it's a, you need to know that. Rather mm -hmm. than, don't do this, you will be... You'll die. Yeah. <laughs> You will be soiled and unlovable. You will catch chlamydia and die. Well, chlamydia was not mentioned anywhere in this book. It was quite a surprise to me to hear about it when I was older, let me tell you. But, uh, cause, cause I heard about a lot of the rest of them from these books. Um, but yeah, so it did go into this whole going steady thing about like, you know, it's like, what can you expect from dating? And there very much was, uh, there was this thing of like, you know, then, you know, when you've been seeing each other for a while, the boy may ask the girl to go steady. And it was like, oh, okay. That's, that's apparently was a real enough thing at some stage. Yeah. I remember actually when uh, my cousin Alicia was a teenager and like she had a, a boyfriend and our grandmother expressed concern that she was going steady with a boyfriend and was not doing enough casual dating. And we were like, what? <laughs> that that seems like the opposite of the kind of concern you should have, but whatever. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, God. she was basically like, you're, you're too committed. You should be playing the field more at your age. <laughs> you should, yeah. you should be putting on your poodle skirt and going down the ice cream shop. Y exactly. For, like going for a malt. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> on the other yeah. hand, honestly, if that had been available as a dating option, I probably, it sounds more fun than like, <laughs> it does sound tremendously fun. <laughs> many of the options that were. <laughs> around going to the cricket <laughs> hanging out in the oh. in the queue for three hours in the freezing cold i wasn't cool enough to go to the cricket i knew some people who went to the cricket the cricket was terrible it was 
bad. Yeah, but Maniac 2000 was recorded there. That's really? so significant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my friends were a little bit older than you. Yeah, Maniac 2000 was recorded in the cricket. That's crazy. Wow. I had some, uh, my friend, oh, that friend of a friend who called me a dictionary head and made fun of me <laughs> because I had a better vocabulary than her. Um, she went to school with my friend, uh, with my friends in Artane and all the girls from their school went to the cricket and that's how I know that Maniac 2000 was uh, recorded oh. there. Right. My mum was convinced if I went to the cricket over Wesley, I would get pregnant from dry humping. Uh, so I wasn't allowed to go. I mean, I mean, thank you. Oh, well done your mother for protecting um, you from dry humping, I guess, what? but probably not, no. <laughs> yeah, I was not grateful at the time. <laughs> I was terrified to go. You could have had my parents and I could have had yours and I would have been really happy about that. I did, I did not see any dry humping. <laughs> At all when I was there. I wish you, you could have told my mom that. You could possibly have picked up a cold sore. I imagine there was probably a lot of herpes simplex. Is that the thing yeah. going around? Like, I, I, yeah, I think, um, I think that is probably the worst thing you could, I mean, nits, I'm sure. Probably also rampant. Like, um, it's, it was just a very loud, fairly bad teenage disco, um, which they used to play Postman Pat, um, as the very last song, which was basically the get out of here song. I love uh, it. And I was like, oh, Postman Pat, you know, that would be kind of the fun. Oh, that's um, amazing. The, <laughs> point tonight. And then I'll go home and go like, wow, this was overhyped. <laughs> I think I went like twice. Maybe once it was it was fine. The the queuing was not fine. I I think I still have frostbite. And this was like 1999. I remember your description of the queuing, and it sounded like a sort of Dante's Inferno. Oh my god! And we went to the Wesley just for the crack because it was on the south side, and we we're like, oh yeah, it's like the same thing, but. Um, on the other side of town and I had a curfew of 11 o'clock and we had been in the queue for so long why they didn't fucking let people in what is the point of this thing anyway we were we were in the queue for so long that by the time my friends had finally made up to the door I was actually outside the gates waiting to be picked up oh no uh, because I didn't get in at all and I was kind of chatting to the security guard who was there um who was uh, keeping an eye on me kind of because I was getting picked up um and he felt so bad for me that he went off and got me a membership and, like he came out with a membership card like here you just fill in your details on that you know you can come back Aww. next time and I'm like that's so nice but I'm from the north side I'm never making it this far again <laughs> never making it back I think also I was noticeably sober compared to some of the other uh like people who were outside the gates trying to get in and not being allowed um so yeah i i we never went back to the wesley so i have not i ha- I still have not used my wesley membership and at this stage i probably won't <laughs> yeah that would be very bad Man, no i just didn't have the like i was afraid to go to any discos because i was like oh no i won't know like I, I i won't have the right clothes i was right i did not have the right clothes to wear. i didn't either but i was like i won't have the right clothes to wear uh everyone will judge me and i can't dance and, you know, I wasn't necessarily wrong about any of those things. I just cared less about them as I got older. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I don't think any of those things would actually have been as much of a problem as you. Remember how judgy teenagers are? There wasn't actually that much dancing and there was kind of a variety of clothes. No, nobody's any good at dancing at that age, except yeah. for Anatoly. There was this one Moldovan guy in our year who, <laughs> like, he arrived in transition year and he spoke hardly any English 
and he was sort of amiable but basically silent and then he yeah. came to the halloween dance <laughs> wearing a scream mask and proceeded to absolutely tear it up on the dance floor for like 3 hours <laughs> and was like an unstoppable dance machine and nobody knew who it was cuz he wouldn't take his mask off and everyone was like who the fuck is this masked legend and then at the very end of the night he took off his mask and was like oh my god anatoly <gasps> <Anatoly." laughs> and that's amazing it was that amazing top notch. that's like teen drama stuff i love it it was it was it was genuinely very impressive one anatoly a ledge bag i know he's probably still around somewhere probably <laughs> i hope he's listening to this podcast and is happy that his teenage exploits are fondly remembered we salute you anatoly we don't know why you would listen to this but thank you i don't know why anyone would listen to this but hey good point are you Googling Anatoly? I am. I, ca- I can't remember his surname. Let me see. Well, that's going to put a bit of a crimp in it, not going to lie. I have a mutual friend. If you put the guy. name of your school, if you put the name of your school in it, you might no. get his LinkedIn. I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think we have any, uh, any friends in common anymore, unfortunately. Um, ah, well, <laughs> maybe we'll see him on like, um, one of Dancing the, with the, the stars big, or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. God, where were we? Okay. Uh, Claudia's boring <laughs> romance. Let's stop talking about Claudia's boring romance because it's, it's, it was boring. It's boring. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Marianne and the mysterious, uh, stranger. Yes. Yes. Which does tie in with this. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, actually, can we go to Mallory very briefly? Sure. Sure. Because, sure. so she has decided that, uh, she's going to be a spy because she read Harriet the Spy and wants to follow people around taking down notes about them. Uh, for just writing practice, but also for the crack. Yeah. Um, and that a cruise ship will be a great place to do this, which is fine, except that she can't find that many interesting people yeah. to write this down. But she has spotted this one very glamorous um, young woman who somebody else, Karen Brewer, also runs into her in the salon when they're getting their hairs did. Yes, because Karen sees a girl paying with cash and Karen's like, I guess she doesn't know how to charge things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. And and Marianne winds up accidentally talking to, or yeah, talking to the same person at some point where, uh, just casually in a queue. Yes. And she's like, God, traveling alone is such a drag. In fact, Marianne sees her and instantly is awestruck by how beautiful and glamorous this girl looks. And I yes. have that tagged with, there is no heterosexual explanation for this. Yes, she specifically comments on how well she fills out the top of her very small bikini. Yes, mm-hmm. like specifically. Marianne is entranced by this girl's chest, canonically. I don't know, though. Yeah, because the, the bikini and how well you fill out the top of it, TM, is like mentioned in the book where they go to Sea City, but it's actually Stacy who's sort of aware of that. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. It was Stacy who was dissing Marianne's lack of... Yeah, this know, is right? Stacy being, well, I fill this in better, be- this out better than Marianne, just sort of reflecting the relative maturity levels and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Is, yeah. is Marianne a bit flat-chested and sensitive about it? Or is that just... No, I get the impression from that book that what was happening there was it was literally just to illustrate, you know, the famous thing of Christy and Marianne are more babyish. I'm pretty mm. sure there's a reference somewhere to Christy having basically no boobs at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, as Marianne is starting to get into boy, it's... Yeah, it's Marianne has gotten a bra by this point, so... Yeah, that's it. This is just uh, boobs okay. as proxy for adolescence. Yeah. Um, mm. 
as all that is, but this is just Marianne being like, oh my god, that girl with the tits is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a pretty good description of what happens there. Yeah. Um, and, and Alexandra is like, casually drops into conversation that oh it's too bad that my parents were ki and then she gets interrupted and Marianne's like what happened to your parents uh, and she doesn't yeah. hear about this um, and she's like ooh a mysterious stranger uh, okay mysterious hot stranger who's just randomly walking around in a bikini um, in a I mean I know it's a cruise ship but she's literally just wearing a bikini. Yeah, I thought that was a bit weird as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the sort of thing people do on a cruise ship because, you know, they're just going to go jump in the pool now. Like you always see people walking around a holiday resort wearing their swimsuit and flip-flops. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think I she even goes to the hairdresser in her bikini, which seems... Yeah, that was fucking weird. <laughs> that was fucking weird, yeah. I have to say. So yeah, Marianne kind of keeps her eye on, out for this girl and then chats to her and Alexandra says that she's travelling alone. Although... Then, oddly enough, she lets slip that she's traveling with her brother, actually, mm. or something. And her story is kind of slightly inconsistent. But she tells Marianne that her parents have been killed in a car crash. Um, and Marianne, like, is like, my mother's dead, too. And then they bond over their orphan status. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that Alexander is full of shit. <laughs> Yes, and her parents so are very shit. much alive. And she openly is like, oh, I tell lies because people makes people more interested in me. Yeah. It's like, lady, Marianne was already badly crushing. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody sees Alexandra and her brother and her parents in the queue at Disney Mallory. World. It's Mallory when Mallory she's spying. Yeah. And the parents get recognized by somebody else. And it turns out that they are celebrities. And she says something very like lukewarm about them. Like, oh, yeah, they're a singing duet called Viv and Vernon Carmody of the kind that, you know, people, they're popular with people my parents' age. And I was like, I immediately got like a song playing in my head. I was like, there is, I absolutely believe that these people do an inferior cover of Islands in the Stream. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I actually then listened to it twice today. It's really good. Um, but it's Dolly Parton and these people are not up to Dolly's standard. Yeah. Um, but, no, but that's that's the kind not. of singers that these are. I am 100% sure. I agree sure. with you. Definitely. I agree with you. This is correct. Head canon accepted, <laughs> yeah. as the kids say. Uh, so yeah, they have uh, teenage children who, th who they are traveling with. They're not dead. Um, and... Uh, Apparently, it's really stressful being the child of a minor celebrity minor, couple. Minor celebrity couple. Uh, and she tells lies in order to get noticed. Marianne is understandably irate. She is She is extremely angry. Like, oh, she yeah. is so angry about this. Yeah. Rightly so. We've never seen her this angry before. Or I think since I afterwards. I mean, we've seen her wrathful vengeance in the book where all the babysitters had a fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So She's just... Yeah, constantly angry. So yeah, Alexandra follows Marianne and the Pike, the youngest Pike girls around for like almost a day in Disney World trying to talk to Marianne. And Marianne is just like, no, no. I'm not having any of it. So she keeps getting in the queue for things behind yeah. them. Uh, and Marianne deliberately and I think maliciously takes Margot Pike on <laughs> yes. Space Mountain. Even yes. though Space Mountain is well recorded by this stage as making everybody feel kind of sick, including <laughs> yeah. like adult babysitters who have, have are used to 
roller coasters and stuff. Yeah. Like including Dawn, I think. Yeah. Who has been on it loads of times before. Yeah. Space Mountain is the pukiest ride in, in Disneyland. Yeah. Um, and so she takes Margot Pike on this. <laughs> who is an extensively documented motion sickness victim. She just looks at a plane and vomits. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> And then, um, so Alexandra runs up to them after Space Mountain and Margot throws up all over Alexandra's shoes. Yes. And she said, we didn't see Alexandra for the rest of the day and I couldn't have been happier. <laughs> like, you weaponized Margot Pike and her weak stomach. I'm like, I'm impressed by this. <laughs> As we have said, Marianne will cut a bitch. But Marianne is the most, has the most sort of vengeance-based creativity. Yeah. Of anyone yeah. Like, frankly, in the apocalypse, I want Christy and Marianne. Hmm. Christy's endlessly practical and Marianne is ruthless. Yeah. Do you want to be in a bunker with Christy? Just ask yourself that question before you commit to anything, Aoife. I think saying. I could put manners on Christy, provided I was my current age and <laughs> she was still 13. <laughs> I mean, I think after 10 years, you'd still be alive and that would be down to Christy. Yeah, pretty much. And Marianne, frankly. But you'd be very, very, very angry. And that would also be down <laughs> to Christy. If Christy was my age and I was in a bunker with her, yeah, no, I would probably end up with some sort of Stockholm Syndrome-ish thing going on. <laughs> I would do anything she said. It would be fine. I'd accept it. And I'd just deal with it. That would be my life. That would be who I was. I was Christie's. She would have you like tilling the fields for her or something. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's all, it's all in the, uh, it's all in, in the service of her five-year plan. That's okay. I mean, someone's got to till the fields. <laughs> she's got, she's busy planning. She can't till. Exactly. I can't plan. This, this works. It's okay. She's a big picture thinker. Okay, I take it back. You've actually spent too much time thinking about this already. Stop thinking about it, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's... Oh, yeah, and Alexandra's brother is Claudia's Timothy mm. boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something weird going on at that house because he gets attention by spying on people and running around and conducting problematic and troubling romances at a distance yes. with random oh, yeah. girls uh, who in this case also happen to like him for the person he is which is very convenient and not guaranteed to happen every time so timothy yep. get some therapy and probably the same for alexandra yeah yeah oh yes timothy also pretends to be a stowaway to create drama so the pike boys witness him like jumping out of lifeboats and running aw- running away around corners and stuff so they get super excited mm-hmm. And they try to find the stowaway, uh, but they don't. Mm. Um, they also go looking for treasure on one of the islands and they find what they think is a mysterious treasure map. Mm. And then they decide that they'll just assume it's a map of wherever they happen to be in their travels. So yes. they use it as a map of the boat and as a map of the island they're on and as a map of Disney World. And keep looking for treasure and consistently fail to find treasure. And then hilariously, when they're on the plane home. <laughs> a comedy Dutchman. <laughs> a Dutchman sees them praising it and is like, oh, hey, you're Dutch. And they're like, what? And he's like, well, yeah, you're reading a, what is it, a photocopier manual in Dutch? Yeah, so they're off manual Dutch. in Dutch. Yeah. They must be Dutch. They're like, oh, no, we have made a mistake. Yes. Apparently they are so dim, they can't tell the difference between a diagram of the inside of a photocopier <laughs> and a treasure map. Like, those are not things that look particularly alike, unless it's a really bad diagram. No. I found this, uh, this whole thing kind of moderately charming because yeah. um, no, it was very cute. 
I find it implausible, but charming. Yeah, I think this is the first time that Anna Martin did a boy's perspective. I could yes. be wrong about this. So we these chapters are from we had, Byron no, Pikes. Yeah, we had Andrews, but that was actually a later book. That oh was yeah, in the yeah, other yeah, super special. So yeah, you're little, right, little baby Andrew. Oh, who's forever four? Yeah. So Byron is the triplet with a personality. Yes. Yes. Who was formerly afraid of H two O? He was afraid of water, and actually, he's still a little. Yes. Bit, he's not crazy about it, which is um, which is a good sort of carryover. Uh, he will still swim, but he likes to be able to see the bottom of the water. What I had him described as is the sensitive triplet with capitals. <laughs> the one where the personality is. Yeah. True. Yeah. He's also the leader and the reading one as well. So he makes yeah. them all go to see Treasure Island in the cinema on the boat, yeah. um, including Nikki and David Michael, who are a bit younger, but they're they're all so inspired by pirates and yes. treasure that they can't, they just are they are in an absolute frenzy for pirate treasure. Um, and I was like, you know what? I feel like this is this is a good wholesome activity yeah. to keep them out of trouble, even if Fantastic. they wind up trying to scrutinize this Dutch photocopier <laughs> manual <laughs> for days. You know what? Could you imagine if they didn't have it, what they would have been up to? Yeah, we don't even want to know because they get in trouble anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, for like running around excitedly and being loud. shrieking. Although Nikki Pike is still the world's tiniest misogynist at one point. Oh is. my god! Yeah, they go to the beach and David Michael picks up a couple of seashells and Nikki won't let him keep any shells that are pink. Which, like, mm-hmm. what the actual fuck is wrong with you, Nikki? I mean, my only saving grace with this bit right here is that at least there were no like responsible people. It was just Byron. Mm-hmm. and the other boys listening to this shit and they can't really be expected to call them on it I guess because they're yeah. 10 and yeah. they sort of uh, I just however oh my god mm. what let David Michael have a pink seashell for the love of god yeah 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 I, w- I have um <laughs> Nikki no <laughs> my notes <laughs> yeah. there yeah no D- correct Nikki needs a talking to this nobody has noticed still that he has he has an issue um Oh yeah, so second, yeah. Anyway, there's the, the bit where the triplets get in trouble, though, right? Um, so they're they're just running around the ship being boisterous, basically, and uh, yeah. they get hauled in by a steward and told off. And so the Pike parents are called in to do some parenting. Oh my god, to do some parenting. And the Pike dad's like, right now, since you're in trouble, you're going to be back with the babysitters all day. And I was like, lolly is determined not to mind his kids at all on this holiday. I just cannot fault him for that. They get turned back over to, well, I feel like now might be a good time to step in. If you're going to do any parenting, you know, the the point at which you're getting threatened with being thrown off the boat, not not in that sense, but probably removed from the boat. I mean, I mean... But, like, they didn't actually do anything terrible. They were just sort of loud and running around a lot. Yeah. So it's not like they pushed an old lady overboard or stole something or, (laughs) you know, they didn't really... They were just being a bit of a nuisance. So I... But it's just like, all right, that's it, boys. I'm cracking down on this. I'm delegating responsibility to a child again. A 13-year-old, yeah. Yes, exactly. The, The dads in this thing, I mean, apart from Watson, who is, like, trying so hard to buy Christy's affection. Um, <laughs> bless him. He also bought her a camera like uh, as for the yes. for the trip. Like ah, uh, he he really is he's nice. He's doing his best. Um and I think Christy 
appreciate i hope christy appreciates that i think she does i think she does by now yeah i I, we we got to see her arc of learning to appreciate watson (laughs) that's true Um, but mr pike is like okay you're in trouble now i don't want to hear any more from you i'm going back to the bar i have margaritas to drink yeah and so we see another set of parents so Stacy's storyline, apart from just endless babysitting, which she seems mostly cool with, is that she um, gets to know this little boy who's on the trip, who is um, has a serious heart condition. So he's in a wheelchair um, and he makes friends with Claire and Margot Pike, who are about his age. And that's all really sweet. And they go around and they do a lot of stuff together. But um, there's one point where they're all on the ship together and Mr. Kubaki, who is the dad of Mark, runs into Stacy and uh, Claire and Margot and they're all going to the arcade and the girls are like, oh, come with us. You'll have a great time. And uh, he's like, oh, God, you know, I really I just, you know, I would do anything at all for my son. But I really hate the video games arcade. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, you'll do anything for your ill son who's on this trip of a lifetime except be annoyed by the loud music for 10 minutes okay cool i know this is another contrived thing to get like to get them into the it was pretty funny that i was like i'll do i'll do anything for my son who's about to have a heart transplant or something but i will not go into the arcade (laughs) my theory is that actually if the kid had asked to go to the arcade the dad would have sucked it up and done it but now that he's got a way to get the kid to the arcade without having to go in there he'll take that fucking chance (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about Mark that has not aged well. Like, they're really milking him him for pathos. Oh, they really fucking are. Like, he's a a sweet Victorian sickly child. Yes. (laughs) As seen in, yeah, Victorian novels, Touched by an Angel episodes, etc. Yes, exactly. Um, And then... There's a lot of stuff about how accessible Disney World is and how great they are at helping you out with a wheelchair, which is just weird product placement. But Stacy is so blown away by the fact that like the staff don't act like it's a huge inconvenience to have someone in a wheelchair. They're like, yeah, they just act like it was normal and natural to have them there. It's like mm-hmm. maybe because it was. <laughs> like I know, but I'm I'm pretty sure that like if you went and asked a wheelchair user, they're like, yeah, that's not how most places are, though. No, I know, mm-hmm. but like I know Stacy's never experienced this herself, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Mark stuff is like it's it's very well intentioned. But patronizing as fuck. It's just a little bit inspiration porny. Uh, Very. Like he's he's so brave, TM, and he's so sweet, TM, and it makes Stacy appreciate everything that she has, and blah blah blah. And like, I mean, they kind of mitigate. It could be done a lot better, but I think they probably sort of mitigated it a little lot better by having it be. It's like, until she finds out that he's about to face this major operation, which has a chance of not working at all, and he could just die real soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she is sort of approaching this in terms of chronic illness solidarity. Yes. Which is actually kind of yeah. nice, yeah. and yeah. less of has less of that slant in it. And it really only mm-hmm. got sort of irritating when... Stacy learned that he might die and then can't look at him without wanting to cry and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas up 
to then, it was just like, she met him, he told her what was going on with him being in the wheelchair. Oh, my legs actually work. I just blah, 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 my heart. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I have a secret too. I have diabetes. And she explained that, you know, and he did that sweet thing of saying, I hope your diabetes gets better. And so she was like, oh, I can't tell him it doesn't, (laughs) you know. And I thought it was a bit more mutual up until she was like, oh, no, he's dying. And then he was an object of pity from then on. And I think it really, if they hadn't done that, it would have been better. Yeah. It was quite nice the way they did it up to then, that it was that they had something in common. Yeah. And then it, that, then it's, hmm. yeah, it, it, it's just a bit heavy handed and yeah. Well, yeah. These, are, these aren't subtle books. No, no, they're not. Anyway, he has his operation and he's fine. Uh, Yay! So, it's just, yes. it's <laughs> Which is the, essentially the postscript to the book yeah. is being like, we're going to actually end it. And we wanted to end it after the holiday, but we couldn't because Stacey insisted we wait until we find out whether this child died. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually... I got a certain snippiness from the tone of that chapter, okay? <laughs> I couldn't remember what had happened with Mark, and I was getting to the end of it going, I would have remembered if he if he died, would I? But maybe I wouldn't have, like, you know, been as affected by it. Um, oh, I, was, I wasn't have. sure. I probably would have, but, like, there's a lot of things that I was like, yeah, okay, cool, when I was a kid that would make me go, ah, I can't deal with this now. Um, so, yeah, no, he, he survives. Um, like, it, if you remembered Beth dying in Little Women, you would have, like, been affected by Mark dying in this, because yes. it was a similar sort of yeah. tragic Victorian, Urchin. feeble Victorian sweet child thing. He's Tiny Tim, basically. Yeah, he he's is Tiny Tim. Tim. <laughs> little bit, little bit. Like, I think I would have liked to see Mark be obnoxious at least once. <laughs> yes, or, like, grift some people by pretending it was his birthday. Yeah, yeah exactly. that would have been Actually, good. I would <laughs> Mark making friends with Karen Brewer instead yes. of the Pike Girls. That would and have been amazing. Terrorizing the place. Karen teaches them how to be like chaotic neutral would have been just <laughs> really satisfying. And then when he like had his operation and was actually like able to like run around and do stuff, his parents like were like, Oh god, why did we do that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is the Victorian kid lit child he should have been should have been Colin from The Secret Garden. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Learns to kick ass and take names. Oh. oh, yeah. So, who else have we... We've done Marianne, we've done Christy. Dawn has a weirdly similar interchangeable love interest. Yes, Dawn meets yes. a gorgeous guy with capital G. TM. Yeah. Uh, called... Parker. Yes. <laughs> Who is our it's bad waspy name of the week? There is always one of them. He is extremely waspy. Even Don comments on how that's a weird name and he's like, yeah, it's my mother's maiden name. Blah, blah, blah. And I think how very Fitzwilliam Darcy of his mother. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? <laughs> um, so I think what I quite like about this is that Don is head over heels for this guy to the point where she's kind of phasing out like she's like Byron ran up to me and asked me something but I don't remember what it was she's got yeah. like she is she, she is in something and I don't know if it's I, I think it's definitely L-U-V. either it's definitely L-U-V. I thought it was an L-U-S-T to be quite frank um but like yeah, she's, she's thirsty like the, the second yeah, she sees actually, him she's like fuck to be fair she's less thirsty than Marianne with the girl <laughs> yeah well, she's, it's just that she's so unclear about what's happened, what's going on, and she's like, yeah. She is um, barely aware of anything else that she's happens. She's barely aware of anything. Trip. It's kind of adorable, actually. It's, yeah. it's, that, that's, I mean, I, I, I get it, but 
but two things I noticed about this. One is that she's still like Parker. What the fuck is that about? (laughs) (laughs) You're hot, but your name's weird. Um, And two is that so like he's mostly fine, but he expresses some, a couple of views where uh He's he's basically really bummed out that his parents have got divorced and that his mother has remarried. His dad, his dad has one remarried. Of, yeah, the dad has remarried and he's acquired two small stepbrothers who he dislikes on principle and says it was a bad idea for anybody to get remarried and he hates kids and their brats. Yeah, uh, and and Dawn, despite being head over heels with him, is kind of like, oh hey, that's not cool though. Yeah. Yes, I was quite impressed with that. She like she doesn't make excuses. I was watching to see if he was going to turn out to be an asshole or if he was going to have a redemption arc. I was into that. <laughs> I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. And he does. Um, yes. So they run into the small boys um, and their parents. They aren't just wandering around at, at Disney World. And the parents are like, oh, hey, would you mind taking them for a couple of hours? Uh, and Parker's like, ugh. And Donna's like, oh, hey, cool. Yeah, I like I like kids. In and fact, so they, Donna's kind of like, she doesn't say, these are the brats. As one are, of them is like, will you come on the ride with me, Parker? And holds his hand. And yeah. Donna's yeah. like, they're like, I love you, big brother. <laughs> yeah, pretty exactly. much like these adorable, adoring small children who are perfectly well behaved. Do you know what uh, they are? They are moppets. They are adorable. They are they moppets. Are, they're not moppets. They're moppets. <laughs> exactly. <indeed. laughs> exactly. Plot moppets. Yes. Even <laughs> they are there to advance the plot. I do think the quintessential moppet is Andrew, though. Yes, mm-hmm. he's very much a moppet. He's just so sweet. Yes. He's very cute. But yeah, so Parker never like fully admits that he was wrong, but he clearly like gets over his issues and mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, and yes, Don has romance and he kisses her on, I think on the cheek. There was a kiss. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, there isn't very much more to Parker, except that when you see his outfit being described, you're like, whoa, <laughs> that is a, that is a preppy guy. Give us the outfit, actually. There's very few outfits Ooh. in this, so. There's a couple. We get a lot of Claude brought her whole wardrobe, but very few descriptions of what she brought. She dresses Claudia up for her date, though. Yeah, Dawn wears a lot of lavender. <laughs> yes, Dawn borrows a whole bunch of lavender stuff, including lavender push-down socks. What are push-down socks? Are they slouch socks? Is that what that means? I think, so in a different book, right? And I think we're going to encounter this sooner or later. Somebody, probably Claudia, is wearing these incredibly cool socks that when you push them down, they go into these folds that make it look, they're three different colours, so it makes it look like she has an ice cream cone on her legs. Oh my God. And I remembered that. That's pretty cool. When I when I Google it, they appear to be slouch socks. Slouch socks. Okay, so probably slouch socks. But um, I remembered that sounding kind of fun. That sounds um, amazing. Back in the day. I think this is yeah, probably like something awesome. similar, but she's wearing perp- like lavender overalls. Yeah. And more than one of the, the outfits that we see both involve tying a scarf around your waist, which must have been the thing, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, Parker is wearing like boat shoes and uh, some kind of polo neck or crew neck <laughs> jumper and what sound like those shorts that have creases ironed really. He sounds like a Ralph Lauren <laughs> ad. <laughs> he does. Um, and I'm like, and Dawn is pretty hippie today, Tommy so that's going to be an interest. Yes, Tommy Hilfiger, I think is what I'm thinking of. And like, they're, they're just going to be an interesting looking couple they're they're two different subcultures is how i'm reading that but i don't know if anna martin know when she was writing this i think she just picked two pages of this magazine yeah that are not this one of them is a perfume commercial like (laughs) one of them has a yacht in the background and one of them doesn't (laughs) the ones with the yachts are just 
from a different social sphere. Okay, Anne? <laughs> yes. Like, um, so anyway, they go around Disney World together and yeah. have adventures. Oh, yeah. Dawn like loses her charm bracelet and she's really upset because it was like a family mm. heirloom. And she had bought a charm for it. And then Parker buys her a new charm to replace the charm. Um, but she's really upset because the bracelet is lost. But then it turns out the triplets find it on their obsessive ter- search for treasure. So yes. uh, the day is saved. And it means they get to find some treasure. Yes. Even if it mm-hmm. the rest is a copy machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> even a stop clock is right twice a day. <laughs> it was kind of adorable. Yes. But the thing about Dawn, um, which, so whenever I read one of these books, uh, I take loads of notes at the start and the amount of notes just peters off towards <laughs> the end of the book. Anyway, um, I was, uh, yeah, so one of my early notes about Dawn was flanderization. Because, like, when has she ever been that much of a neat freak ever before? Yeah, I mean, she was, she, she has been a bit, you know, cause she complains about her mother. Being so messy. Yeah, but her mother is spectacularly messy. And then she cleaned up Mm. at the Barrett's house. Again, Mm. it was spectacularly messy. Those were both like, wow, the state of this fucking place. It's definitely been dialed up. I mean, the state of Christie, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I got completely, you see, because first I was just like, I, I, I was like, it was like Christy being like, oh, Dawn is so neat. Oh, she's just basically obsessive about how to do this, which wasn't something I got about Dawn. She was neat, but like, I didn't think she'd make a thing of it. Mm. So I was like, ooh, is this flanderization of Dawn? Are we starting to see this like thing get turned up to 11? And then I was like, no, Christy's just being unreasonable. Carrie, the fuck. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, towards the end of the book, my notes get more like, Christy's still being a bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine start to be mostly uh, emojis. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think book Christy needs Netflix adaptation Christy's mother <laughs> to come and have a word sometimes. Yeah. Talk a bit of sense into her. That makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to be like, I don't know what it was she said about the, like, Christy be like, I don't deal well with change. And her mum basically said, yeah, you didn't lick it off the stones. But, you know, yeah, she needs that conversation and be like, I too have all of these tendencies, Christy. And you gotta learn to not be a bitch about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've got through really almost everything. Pretty much the whole thing. I think we have. I'm, I'm skimming through here and I think we've actually covered everything. We're extremely competent tonight. We were so all over the place last week. We've all been very well behaved this time. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I did well, find it hilarious that um, she, Claudia asks uh, Timothy if he writes poetry um, because Trevor Sanborn was a poet and it seems like she's always falling for poets. <laughs> I thought it was because he said something about that sounded poetic and she yeah, was like... Yeah, he said they were destined to meet again because their high school sports teams would play against each other and she's like that's so beautiful are you a poet oh bless oh there was another callback that i really liked which was that marianne when she notices how hot the weather is is like god i hope i don't get sunburned <laughs> yes. yeah i noticed that i like that <laughs> yep um uh, so and also that stacy doesn't go off the deep end again which she didn't yes uh, no there were, good. She, no boys took stacy's i think it's still think like, it's a thing of stacy that like if if she happens to fancy someone, she's a lunatic. And if she doesn't, she's perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise hormones. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, there's um, there's a, you know, the way we talked about previously how um, Claudia's uh, narrative voice is occasionally just hilariously bitchy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, 
she's in uh, the ice cream parlor and she's just received a um oh no it's stacy it's not even claudia oh my god oh, cool. yes i know what you're gonna say it's so mean stacy has she's she spots the um there's been a note another note left for claudia um from the secret admirer uh and she's uh scanning the room to see if it could be for anybody else other than claudia it's obviously claudia um but she's like but the only other people were an older woman and a girl my age but neither of them looked like she deserved a secret admirer. <laughs> yes! It's so mean! Oh, I, missed, like, I missed that! Did they... What What about these women did you find so repulsive <laughs> that you thought nobody could possibly admire them? Not I mean, as pretty as me. It probably makes sense that the person who you already know has a stalker is the one who <laughs> this note was written being to. stalked right now. That's fair. Like it's probably all about that. Um. Oh yeah, she's in the queue, and some guy pays for Claudia's Sunday. Yes, and uh, she's trying to yeah, she's trying to work out who it is. I also loved that Claudia just went to the ice cream shop by herself and ate an entire butterscotch Sunday by herself. Like that just is absolute goals. I'm so mm-hmm. jealous. I want to just. Yeah. Take myself out for ice cream sometime. <laughs> Someday when they've developed a vaccine, you will be able to. Yeah. Yay. God, the descriptions of going on a plane made me so nostalgic. Yeah. Like when they go down the tunnel and Karen's like, it smells like coffee, only worse. I'm like, oh, I know that smell. It does, doesn't it? Does. Yeah. I miss it so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. They steal all the, um, the like sugar packets and things. Yes. And moist towelettes. <laughs> and moist towelettes. Actually, I still take the moist towelettes because those things are useful. You never know when you're going to need salt. Like, I mostly fly short range Ryanair. So <laughs> mm. I don't get anything to steal. I'd have to pay for it. I'd have to steal the safety information card. And I don't <laughs> want that. No, you can't even do that. It's integrated into the seat. In front oh my of gosh, you. it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I love the, um, the excessive amount of attention paid to the fact that there's a mini bar in yes. the hotel room and they're all desperate to get into it and Watson is like don't even go near it I know I'm a millionaire but I'm not paying for this yes. I'll pay a mini bar price for a mouse bar General, yes. generous millionaire Watson is like I'm taking the key I do not trust you <laughs> you oh are gonna wake up in the middle of the night and gorge on like $15 Snickers bars yeah. and they absolutely I would. love it yeah I love yeah. the um the they get to the hotel room and they find out that there's cable and Don's like, Ooh. oh darn, nothing R-rated. And then they're, Christy's like, I've never seen an R-rated movie, but someday I'm going to. This is. Yes, welcome to the passage of time, Kate. Yeah, this is, this is like the boldest thing any of them have said at all by a considerable margin. Like, yeah, it really is. I was. I was shocked that this, this book acknowledged that R-rated movies existed and that 13 year olds might be like, ha. Huh. Where are we going to get to watch those? Have you ever seen one? Yeah, me too. Like, that's the most rebellious thing any of the, like, good characters have ever done in these books. Also, the Dawn says her brother saw one once by accident, which, like... And he said it was no big deal. Yes, sure, by accident. I assumed that, like, an R-rated film from this, because I wasn't familiar with the ratings. Yeah. I was like, that... I was like, it must be straight up porn, right? You know, like, what, what is in an R-rated movie and how could they be so blasé about it if it's so shocking? Yes. And why has Jeff Schaefer been watching porn? What? Because Jeff Schaefer is a nine-year-old boy and would probably just watch porn. And he's gone off the rails at the moment. Thinking about the Simpsons <laughs> and the boys watching The Naked Lunch. Like, there were two things wrong with the name of that movie. <laughs> 
Uh, do you know, I I think I vaguely remember um, my cousins had somehow managed to record part of Basic Instinct. Oh. <laughs> like, not even that scene. I was very surprised as an adult to discover that that was not the scene that was like that that uh that was the bit that people remembered about it where she's sitting in the chair yeah, um, yeah etc it was like her legs, yeah yeah um i think it was just another chunk of it i'm like wow this is this is so rude but that was that's probably the level above our rated <laughs> like our rated is what like car chases and guns and stuff <laughs> i think is is our rated where they say fuck twice or something <laughs> yeah, if it's PG-13, you get one F-bomb. Yeah. That's what I know. This is my... I don't know. Like, our rating system was pretty straightforward, and my parents had a straightforward approach for it. It was I was always allowed to watch one rating above what I was legally allowed to watch. Okay. So when yeah. I was 15, I could watch 18s. When I was 12, I could watch 15s. Mm. Uh, I could pretty much just watch 12s, unless there was something bad about it, like, because it was 12s, for God's sake. <laughs> what can you see between the age of 12 and 15 that you can't see when you're 10? Nothing. <laughs> Mm. That was my parents' attitude to these things. Yeah, that's fair. So is R-rated like 15s then? I think it is because they just don't have the same rating. Yeah. So they have PG-13 and then they have R. There's nothing in between. Yeah. So R is basically anything that you might want to kind of be older than 13 to watch. But it doesn't sound like they're too concerning. It sounds like it's boring detective shows. <laughs> I mean, you will also have stuff like Train Spotting and Basic Instinct will be R and oh, The God. Exorcist. Will they be R or will they be NC-17? I don't even, I don't think so. I, I've never seen anything that's NC-17 except for fucking fan fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1992 film, Basic Instinct. Train Spotting, rating USA. Neo-noir erotic thriller film. I'm sort of curious now. Just a little a Google interlude for us all. Hell it here onto IMDb. Let's Google this stuff. MPAA rating. Oh, it's rated R. Basic Instinct is rated R for strong violence and sensuality and for drug usage and language. Okay, so it's the drugs and the violence that gave it this one and not the... Oh, it was initially given a commercially restrictive NC-17 rating by the MPAA for graphic depictions of extremely explicit violent sexual content and strong language. Yeah. But under pressure... Oh, they cut 35 to 40 seconds to gain an R rating. Okay, so train spotting in the version we've seen is R. Okay. Okay. Yeah, R is under 17 requires a parent or guardian. Wow, they're pretty chill about this in America, apparently. They can't possibly be chill about this in America. No. But train spotting, like, yeah, my parents says I can watch it, I can. I'm five. That's just because they don't understand what's going on <laughs> in train spotting. Yeah, but that baby on the ceiling is going to freak the hell out of you, whether you understand it or not. I mean, you might not leave it and be like, I'm going to go look for some heroin, lads. But you'll be freaked out, okay? Uh, um, Yeah, I just, can I just say, um, I laughed a bit where um, Stacy manages to persuade Margot and Claire that they really want to go to Epcot by telling them there's a super cool new Michael Jackson movie. And I was like, oh, Captain was- EO started in 1986. <laughs> yes, I saw that as well. And I was like, this new cool Michael Jackson. And I was just like, oh my God, it was. <laughs> I'm telling you though, I want to go on the dinosaur ride. I, I actually just want to go. That sounds pretty fun. I think Anna Martin must have gone on this exact trip quite recently and been like, do you know what? This will be good copy. Yeah, like, was this book actually sponsored by Disney? Because, like, there's <laughs> a lot of details about how great Disney World is and exactly what's there and what there is to do and how fun it is. 
Like it's it's very very product placementy. What? Disney World have let them leave in like the trip to the hotel, which is like takes eight from the hotel, which is like it takes ages because they had a shuttle bus to a car park and then they got a monorail and all the puking. (laughs) (laughs) That's a point. I feel like puking is just a part of the Disney World experience that. Disney must be pretty realistic about how much puking goes <laughs> on. I'd say they know better than anyone exactly how much puking goes on. <laughs> anyway, we, yeah, we've kind of covered all of the plot of this. Um, yeah, we have. Did we learn any life lessons? Stalking is cool and romantic. Stalking is cool and romantic. Um, lying, uh, lying in order to make yourself seem more interesting will earn you Marianne Spears' undying hatred. Mm. You don't want that. But Claudia is kind of okay with it as a yeah romantic thing. So yeah, yeah there's fine. real mixed messages on that angle. <laughs> Ghosts are nice. Uh, don't be a don't be a bitch if your roommate's neater than you. Yeah, I don't think don't. we got that as a lesson at all. No, not really. I think that's what we interpreted. <laughs> but like, yeah, no. But I'm saying that's my lesson. My lesson is don't be a bitch if your roommate's neater than you. Yeah. Say thank you very much and let her clean up after you. Yeah, journals, homework again is the is the the thing that um people will appreciate most as a thank you gift. To be fair, there were also photographs photo albums with little little like brief summaries of and yeah. what i quite liked actually is that this book has little sketchy drawings of the photos that people were taking yes, which does. is quite cute yeah, including things like a banana flying through the air on the ship because it was bad weather um and there was like lots of rocking and karen's manicure hands yeah those those are quite cute um so yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense but at the end of the day it's still it's more enforced homework which i i have questions about why Claudia suggested that. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe Claudia was thinking of the assembling the uh, photo books, assembling the, mm. they're not photo books, uh, assembling the photo albums and stuff, and then and then everyone else was like, yeah, and we'll write things, and Claudia was like, what is my life why? <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I was Claudia, I'd be like, okay, I'll be the artistic director. Yes. <laughs> you guys can do the captions. I'll, I'll do that. You guys do the writing. That's fine. To be fair, Christy was probably making them write out journals for stuff. Oh my god, did poor Marianne and Stacy have to journal their like fucking ordeal with the pikes? Yeah. <laughs> you know they did. Eesh. I mean, <laughs> I, I hate this notion of the club notebook where they write these lengthy detailed journal entries. I understand that it's like a narrative convention to explain why someone knows exactly what happened on someone else's babysitting job, but honestly bullet points are fine, guys. <laughs> Marnie, allergic to straw, allergic to chocolate. That's it. Your job's done. Mm-hmm. And you're better than Mrs. Barrett. <laughs> that's a low, yep. low bar. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, mm. that's all our life lessons. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, sometimes what you think is a treasure map is a Dutch Xerox manual. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Uh, it really makes it you think. Just so just true. Look. <laughs> and so specific. Uh, excuse me a moment. Yes. I'd like to comment that so far it sounds like an ad for Disneyland, except maybe don't go to the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> because Karen is freaking out. That's legit. Are you reading it upstairs? Yeah. Uh, okay. Good job. Please leave that in. Yeah, you should leave that in. Um, don't go to the Haunted Mansion if you don't want to bring home something unexpected. <laughs> 
That sounds like you're catching something. Yeah, that yes. sounds like parasites. Like in the in the era of COVID, don't say that. <laughs> uh, that is actually probably good advice in the era of COVID. It's true. Too. Yeah, don't go to Disneyland. Just don't go there. Just don't I don't go. know if it's open. It doesn't matter. Don't go there. Stay at home, please. Meet people outdoors where you're not touching anything. Oh, I I know a life lesson. Mm-hmm. It is polite and normal to invite yourself along on another family's family holiday. If you have enough money and can bring enough people with you, you can just get <laughs> lost in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. um, did anybody else notice the slang term du jour is disgust? <laughs> no. Yes. Byron said it a lot. <laughs> it came up a couple of times. And I think she hasn't yet got to the point where she's making up the slang term. Dibbly. Yes. that was it. And distant. <laughs> Um, and also stale. But actually, I think stale kind of works. Yeah, stale works. I mean, stale was a real word that people would use for things that weren't cool. Uh, um, so that that's starting to happen. I can't wait for the first reference to those slang terms. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, man. I don't think most of the books I've read didn't have those when they were earlier. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's everything I have. Except for Ooh. in some get real babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> yes um, oh obligatory social media plug uh, we have social medias uh, we are on twitter as at podcast dawn we are on instagram tumblr and facebook as the podcast at dawn's house and we are on email as the podcast at dawn's house at gmail.com uh, we never check that inbox so <laughs> check it now check it now <laughs> yeah um yeah feel free to reach out if you have listened to this and don't already know us <laughs> if you already know us you can also reach out but like you can do that anyway i mean that that's okay too but like we already talked yeah. to you sometimes so whatever um Genuinely, we get super excited when someone tweets to say that they've listened to this and like it or find us relatable. Uh, they get screenshotted, they get shared around the group text. We, we squeal and stop paying attention to our respective, like, yes. jobs and families <laughs> uh, while we read these things. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I, yeah, I think that's kind of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, we're done. Poor Andrew got scared by Snow White. <laughs> He did. It was because she was very unexpected. Unexpected Snow White is terrifying. I mean, to be fair. Oh, and we did learn one other life skill, Mm -hmm. which is when in doubt, just charge it to your cabin. (laughs) Bless Karen. Also, we have no new emails. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're not neglecting the inbox. It's just that no one would email us. It's fine. Rereading, I'm mostly struck by how they don't get on nearly as well as I remembered. Yeah. Um, yes, I think we all kind of remember it as being about like super wholesome solidarity through everything, and actually, it's, it's about forty percent solidarity, forty <laughs> percent like, bickering, and twenty percent actual full-on fights, <laughs> just like real teenage friendships. say at the start right when because one of the notes i wrote was the quote towards the start of the book 
as is typical for me, Aoife. I write so many. I clicked a pen many it's times. So much. I don't normally do that. So much. <laughs> Look, it's not even me. This I time, know. I'm just going to say. Oh, no. Oh, no. All the stern lectures to Karen that I assumed they would never apply to me. Here I have clicked my own pen and wrought shame upon my household. <laughs> I feel so vindicated, though. Like, I'm going to put the pen up here out of reach, okay? I've been so good. I'm, I'm looking so at two, two cups of pens that I've not touched. I bought a new chair for this podcast. <laughs> and I just couldn't not click the pen once it was in my hand. 